Welcome back to the Bearded Barbell Podcast. This is the place to go for quick, easy, and actionable health and fitness information. On the mic right now is Coach Tony, and across the table right now is Coach Willie. How are you today? I'm doing well, Coach. Thank you. How are you guys out there? How are you, Coach? You know, today is probably the first day in about a week that I'm starting to feel like a normal person again. <laughs> I was wondering. I hadn't heard too much from you on the socials. hadn't... You know, got much. I didn't see any bike riding videos. Wondering what that was up with. Yeah, so really, I got some. I got some pictures. I did a little bit of riding, but I'm I'm also doing a a uh, a 21 day social media fast. That could be another topic for oh, right. for later on because it's it's fairly involved for you know reasonings behind doing it and things I'm noticing and, and all sorts of stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm interested. In um, that. But really, you know, the the main reason that I've been so so down and out for the past week was, you know, if you listened to the last episode, you knew where I was headed as soon as we got done recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I drove about an hour south and I competed with six other men and four referees in a Guinness World Record attempt for the longest pro wrestling match, mm-hmm. which we got, by the way, we, we accomplished what we needed to do. So we wrestled for 24 hours straight and it was, it was brutal, right? So at this, at this point, you know, we, we got everything recorded. We got statements filled out by witnesses. And so we're sending everything off to Guinness so that they can verify it and then make everything official. So that's where we are in that process now. Uh, but for you know all intents and purposes, we wrestled for 24 hours from 4 p.m. to 4 p.m. the next day, nonstop. So, you know, I, I, I obviously, before we went on air, I told you I have a million questions about this and I wish I had had a list of questions, but the first thing, you know, let's get to the, like, before we get to the physical fun, you know, trainer coaches, you know, the meat and potatoes of what we want to talk about of this. I want to know more or less about the world's Guinness. Cause you know, I've never really been around a, a Guinness attempt. I don't know if you have, um, Take us through that. How was that? Was there anybody like officially there? Do they have like officials much like you would in any other sport? Do they show up pin and pad? You know, so they didn't they didn't send anybody out from Guinness probably because it was a 24 hour attempt. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we had volunteers come through to to witness everything and they had forms that they filled out for their They were there for four hour blocks. Okay, And so they were there. They were filling out forms. And writing down, you know, specific events that happened and and at what time, all sorts of stuff like that. So they did that. We also recorded the entire 24 hours. So we have that. Mm -hmm. And so from what I understand, the next step is all verification based on on Guinness's side. So they're going to look at all the witness statements. And I believe they're just going to ask for, you know, they'll have the video, but they'll also ask for, you know, a specific time clip that they want to see. And it's going to be based off of one of the witness statements where they say like, hey, this happened at this time. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to be looking for a clip that matches about that time for about what was written down. And I imagine they just they do that, you know, so much and and so many times throughout. And of course, they'll have the access to the whole video and the combination of all that will let them verify and make everything official. Yeah, because I was wondering how that all went. Um, I was watching through a live feed that one of the refs had. 
and uh, Jeff the Ref. And uh, he, you know, obviously had his, his live feed going uh, on his Facebook Live for the whole time. And I try to watch as much as possible because, well, it's a 24-hour video. And um, I, I did. I saw some people there with uh, clipboards and such. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if they send out officials. I wonder. I, w- I was wondering the confines of all this, like, you know, the rules, like if all competitors could not leave the arena, if they couldn't leave ringside, if there was a certain parameter you can leave, if they all had to be in the frame what was that like it was there did they go over any specific rules saying like if this happens it's null so we there wasn't anything that we went through as far as you know immediate nullification of the attempt but Mm -hmm. we all had to be ringside for most of the time because it's such a long attempt we we got a you know what they call a comfort break every hour we got five minutes for a comfort break and those could stack so if you didn't take a break for four hours you got 20 minutes okay i don't think anybody even took that break so it you know that part was wasn't really that relevant um and then i you know the only the only real caveat was in order to be listed with the record you had to be you know had to be the same people at the beginning the same people at the end you just had to be there throughout so you know if you left early save for like injury or anything like that then you just wouldn't be included in the in the final record. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's what I was wondering. Like if somebody got injured or somebody got a stinger and had to like, you know, or, you know, or got sick to their stomach and had to go vomit for a couple minutes. I was wondering if that happened, you know, um, I know everyone was well prepared and seemingly like, you know, we'll get into how it went actually, but from what I witnessed, what I saw, it, obviously you guys were fatigued, you were tired, but it really didn't look like there was too much trouble as much as as far as I thought. Like when I, I guess I, I'm an overthinker. So when I saw this, when I heard of the attempt and I was like, man, well, what if this happens? What if, you know, you just get two hours in, you take that bump and you just can't get back up. You know, all these what ifs were going through my head. So I was wondering if they sit you down and they say, hey, look, this is what you guys can do. You can have a blanket under the ring and you can go take a nap under the ring for, you know, five minutes or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. I was wondering, cause I never, like, again, I, when I was watching the film, I never really saw anyone breaking. I saw people sitting down or taking a drink of water, you know, doing something other than wrestling. Not like that it was bad, but like, not that I would thought, I thought I would see you guys with sleeping bags kind of really trying to edge the, the parameters of the rules right, right. And, and like so it really i mean it was an amazing attempt in that it's a sense then i guess because really like you said no one really took the break so yeah. i guess that's that's even phenomenal on its own because i mean rest is essential and um i really like there's so much i want to pick apart of from this and i'm kind of glad your brain out of all brains was in this mix because now you know it's like sending a little satellite out to the edge of the galaxy because then you can have some information brought back yeah yeah for sure and so i think that that's where i want to get into because there's obviously i've told you this there's a million and i'm if you're listening to this there's probably i'm hoping there's a million questions raising up because this is this is a crazy attempt this isn't just staying awake for 24 hours this isn't just reading a book for 24 hours this isn't even just i've heard of dance-a-thons that have lasted 24 hours but those people are literally just holding on to each other rocking back and forth they give them bathroom breaks there's like you said there's there's some behind the scenes that we don't see behind those things but there's no way to really get through a physical activity like professional wrestling even if you take it at its lowest moments to do it for 24 hours so i think what we want to hear is how did you do it (laughs) so 
I, yeah, this is, this is actually the question that I've been asked most over the past week. Mm-hmm. And after being through it, you know, me and the other, really the other 10 people, once you add in the refs, right, mm-hmm. is one really one step at a time. It's that old cliche. Like, you know, I, by hour two, I was already completely exhausted. And, you know, I remember looking at the clock and, I, and they gave us hourly announcements saying like, hey, you've just reached hour one. You just reached hour two. And that's how I knew it was hour two. And my head just went, you know, crap, you still got 22 hours left. And at that point, I was just like, all right, I'm just not even going to pay attention to the to the time anymore. Because with with anything, right, the more you focus on the time, almost the the harder everything starts to feel, even though there's really not any change. You just you start focusing more on like, well, I have so much. It's it's that idea of having so much more to go, looking way too far down the road, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it became a point where, I just focused on each specific turn I had. So I was like, cool, I'm just going to worry about the next one. And then when I get done, I'm just going to do that again. And then just do that again. And then just repeat that for 24 hours. But I wasn't thinking about the 24-hour part. I was just like, cool, I'm just going to repeat that until we're done repeating it. And, you know, I I sort of on the fly just built a routine of, of sort of what to do to try to keep myself going through it. And it was around things like hydration was really the main one, right? And... Quite frankly, I just I I couldn't keep up with hydration. I was so awful about it. And we started at four, and I think by eleven, me along with a lot of the other men that were in this match were just like cramping from like shoulder down. We were just, like everything was just cramping up at different times, and so we were managing that until about three a.m. And so we were you know we were all pushing through that too. And so we were trying to figure out how to deal with that with water. I had a jar of peanuts that I had for that. I basically just opened up for everybody to grab a few as the night went on. And once really once that cleared, it was just a matter of finding a pace. Once you find a pace, then it's a lot easier to to manage, right? Because once you go, cool, I can do this. and, And then you get to a point where you realize, cool, I've already done, you know, six, seven, eight hours. If I just do what I did for the past right eight hours, I just have to do that last eight hours two more times, then it's 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 on paper, you're good to go, right? Obviously, there's more challenges that come along the way with things like just physically getting tired, mentally getting tired. And as that set in at the later hours, it's still it's still a matter of just reminding yourself, really just focus on the next one, right? Just don't focus on the entire thing. If you focus on the whole thing, it's going to be overwhelming, right? 24 hours of pro wrestling, 24 hours straight of, of anything physical. But if you just focus on the very next chunk that you have to do and just focus on making that good and getting through that and then just repeating that mentally and then you'll get there, right? It's it's like we always talk about, just focus on the next step, mm-hmm. make that step good and then just do that over and over again. And so that's really, and I think that's really what got a lot of us through was just, you know, a mix of that with while we're here we already committed to doing this thing so we're not going to stop because we already we went in already having made the commitment that we're getting to 24 so our minds were already in that mindset of getting there we just had to do the work and get through the time so that our bodies and and the reality would just match up with what was in our mind 
I like how you put it into perspective, though, because if anyone who's ever done cardio on a machine has done this, when you look at it and you're like four minutes in, you're like, you're doing 25 minutes of cardio, you're like, great, I only have 21 minutes left. That's that's seven minutes of this, seven minutes here, seven, that's three, seven minutes. You know, you, you start breaking the blocks and you start really going crazy with the time. You start counting down the time. If you're sitting there staring at the clock, it's like, okay, so now I'm at five minutes. I'm I'm a quarter of the way there I'm a, or a fifth of the way there. If I do this five more times and I'm there, you know, you start thinking of that kind of stuff to yourself when you're doing cardio. But this is a more radical way of doing that. You know, like whenever somebody goes to work and they're like, I have eight to 12 hours left to work. It seems so long, you know, or even in retrospect, when I look back on a long day and I'm like, man, I've been here for seven hours. This is what's happened within the seven hours. It seems so long. So when you think about something, when you overthink about something, it really turns a, a, a molehill into a into a, a mountain and i like that you this is such a radical way to prove what all the last few of our episodes have been leading up to you know we, we've been talking about like you know not looking at the six months down but what can i do this next hour what can i do right this yeah. next moment to my goal that is six months down along mm-hmm. long, long down the line and see that's what i love about it. as you said we committed we were already locked in at a 24 hours when we were talking about fasting that's what we talked about we didn't talk about fasting for weight loss we talked about it for that mindset yeah you know when when you lock down you say okay i'm gonna fast for 24 hours bam bars down roller coaster started you can't say you can't scream and cry and say let me off this you have to learn to to manage it. You have to learn to deal with it. And I think like with us covering these topics leads up to like, I guess again, this, this extreme way of, cause no one in their right mind, not even the biggest professional wrestlers names, biggest professional wrestling names in the world right now. There's only seven wrestlers that, and they're in the state of New Mexico right now that have wrestled for 24 hours. So no one, I'm not, so anyone, anyone that's listening to this besides the other six people and the seventh one sitting right across from me can have really any say so in what it was to do that for those 24 hours. And I'm not t- telling anyone that you have to do it for those 24 hours. But when you look at this extreme measure, this 24 hours of just straight physical wrestling, then you then you take into consideration what are these guys thinking? What are they going through? What are, you know? What's their, what are they telling themselves in their mind? You know, then you start scaling it back and you start really looking and they're using the same concepts that we use to to apply to what we tell every what we've been saying for the past few weeks. You know, yeah, you have that goal, but once you if you obsess over that goal and you see how far you are from that goal, you're gonna get very very discouraged. You know. Um, but whenever you look at the next step, okay, this is what I got to do next. The cramping came. You didn't say, oh, well, I'm cramping. Well, I guess we can't go 24 hours because we're cramping. Yeah. You know? No, you said, well, how are we going to manage this? How are we going to deal with this? And how are we going to get past this? Because the end goal is 24 hours. We are at seven hours right now. Yeah. We, we still have a ways to go. We have to manage this. You know? So when you're locked in, not only is it teaching you what can you physically do, it's teaching you what can you me- mentally manage. You know? Like, man, this isn't really going the way I thought it was. I have to regroup and recollect myself right in the middle of all this. I can't say, wait, hold on. I need to go home. I need to stop. And next Monday, I'll, I'll restart. Monday, I'll be good for, to go for sure, for sure, Monday. It'll, it'll be good to go Monday. Um, just give me till Monday and I'll be prepared. No, you right then and there, you've already set the deal. You've already said, we're going. I can't restart this. We can't, you know, we're all committed. I have to manage. I have to deal and I have to make it through there. What can I do at this moment? So, you know, I was, I was wondering like, you know, as far as cramping, as far as 
water, you know, even just waterlogged. Because my whole problem is I would think that, you know, I'd get bored and I would just, every time I'm working out, I, I, I would fear that I would just drink too much water. Get waterlogged, I'm using the bathroom too much or, you know, I'm sloshing around or something like that. And then I'm glad you mentioned cramping because when I was in wrestling practice, I'd say even like this, this was also because of my dieting. I was on a real restrictive diet and all that, but I used to suffer from real bad cramping and I still do. I still cramp up real bad. So it's interesting to know that like, you know, we do hit these problems, but you know, sometimes a lot of times it is just a, um, something we got to get around. Yeah. Like, um, so one thing I want to know, like, so as far as like, you said you went with the peanuts as far as meals not only you but how did everyone manage with their meals and their nutrition was it just let's not <laughs> yeah I mean, pretty much there was they so they brought in some pizza and like a, like a bucket of grapes at about 10 o'clock so we had that to kind of snack on throughout the night and then in the morning they brought in some burritos some small burritos with just like you know some ham eggs potatoes things like that so we had small little bits of things to to go on throughout the day obviously something like that is not going to be near enough you know energy wise calorie wise anything like that to get through um this is where i think fasting gave me the edge right so the past few weeks i've been doing some some long fasts i didn't get hungry at all during the match and i don't know if that was just the adrenaline of being there right because that ha that hits and it shuts off your hunger and it shuts all that stuff off but, you know, I didn't have any issues with, with hunger or, or food cravings, which is probably what led me to be so bad about water because I wasn't really craving that either. I made it a point by, you know, like the fifth hour where every time I went in, I wrestled a chunk and then I came out. My next move was to go get a bottle of water and drink it, which was OK. It helped a little bit, uh, but I think that really didn't start paying off for a few hours after that because how much I was sweating. Like most of that water was just coming right out, right out through my skin. And, you know, there were, there were little snacks throughout. Like they had a, a box of those fun size. Like I think you could say the like chips, like the Cheetos and Doritos mm -hmm. and, and they had animal crackers and, and all sorts of stuff like that for, you know, carbs for quick energy. And, the, and so we had that to sort of snack on. And then the peanuts I had because there was something that had, a little more protein than really anything else that was there available snack food wise. But then what I realized a couple hours into all of our dealings with the cramping was, Oh, they also have a decent amount of potassium, which is one of the electrolytes. Mm -hmm. And typically cramping is because of low potassium intake. Mm -hmm. People think it's sodium and they forget about the other three electrolytes, potassium being one of them. So sodium gets your muscles to actually squeeze. It gets them to turn on. Potassium helps them relax. Obviously, when you cramp, it's because your muscles are just really tight. They're turning on and you just can't turn them off no matter how much it hurts. So I broke out the peanuts and I said, hey, everybody grab a handful. See, you know what it does for you. And probably about a half hour after that, everybody started saying that it was getting better. So I don't know if it was right. I don't know if it was the peanuts or if it was just because we had our bodies had gone through it long enough that it just adapted. I like scientifically, I can't say, yes, it was the peanuts. Yeah. Um, but. There was something that we tried. Maybe it helped. Maybe it didn't. But so that's that's kind of how our our food was set up as as 
best as you could say it. Meal prep Tony sends saves the day. <laughs> Save the day. Yeah. See, you know, and I, 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 my little theory that I add to that, the peanuts is all, yeah, the, the potassium, but also the fat. Like everyone's so derived. I mean, I think at that point, seven hours in, who knows when the last time somebody actually had something. So your, your sugar levels are going low. Yeah. Everything, you know, you're starting to burn fat for energy. You're getting into that, that state. You are used to it already. Everyone's kind of hitting it and like going, you know, trying to, get on the reserves of what energy levels they do have the reason why i ask so too is because if you ever like one thing i noticed that when i had a real high intense like physically stressful job is um when my body was under a lot of stress it was harder to eat like not harder to eat it was because i don't want to say that because your body does need the the energy and the fuel but it i didn't have the appetite Mm -hmm. and i think you know i don't know if that makes that makes so that makes sense because when you think about it when you when you're stressed out your body's in that fight or flight state one of the things your body does as a response to try to help you survive is it shuts off digestion it shuts off Mm -hmm. your hunger signals because that's not important right now what's important is surviving whatever's threatening you yeah it's it's saying like this guy hasn't stopped rolling and hitting the map for seven hours yeah i think hunger is the last thing on his mind he's just trying to get out of whatever situation he's in that's causing this for a long time so i think i think you know this is why i like this is because we're really figuring out you you can't just i guess with studies and stuff but you really can't just take seven individuals and say hey guys we're gonna try something you know this is this is for funsies this is for science yeah i want you all to just go roll around and slam your bodies on a mat for 24 hours eating very little and i want you to tell me how it feels and you know if you were to go up to a bunch of normal individuals they'd be like what you're crazy why would we ever do that but with this and luckily for all of us and everyone listening to the beard of a barbell podcast coach tony was a part of that so now we get to see what it is like you know so what happens when we take the body to the extremes you know like so now we're seeing that no one was really i guess people were hungry we're not going to say no one was hungry or starving but their mind wasn't telling them hey look your stomach is absolutely like gorgeous and just we want need some food yeah we just need to just eat yeah nobody wanted to sit down and stuff their face everybody and i think this is you know from adrenaline for example right it was obviously we're in there for a whole day for 24 hours. Our adrenaline is flowing nonstop to get us to 24 hours, right? And then what do you, it's one of the things that happens with fasting too. When you fast long enough, your body just starts pumping out extra adrenaline to keep you focused and to keep you awake. I think you guys were really starting to feel, like feel animalistic type, like, you know, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just um, feelings and um, what's... It left my mind, but I think you guys were really just starting to feel what it is like what the cavemen probably felt like, you know, fighting and for their lives and, and not having much meals to deal with. So yeah. until we can get there and ask them how it felt, we can't ask them. Now, you mentioned the, the fasting and we talked about in our fasting episodes. Well, I talked about it, too, mostly is like one thing I noticed around the times that I was supposed to eat is when I, my body would start throwing off hunger signals or start throwing off now not just speaking for hunger not just speaking for meal uh, purposes but you wrestled from four o'clock in the afternoon to four o'clock in the next day p.m the next day and so here i am i was watching this i watched like i said i watched as much as it is possible at 10 30 you at 10 30 i was thinking me and you we've basically had the same day we got up around the same time that yeah, day yeah. we we did the podcast recording that day we did our exercise our, all our little work that we did it was fairly similar you know may, maybe a little more maybe a little less regardless i didn't have an hour drive 
and um and you started at four you started wrestling well at 10 30 i was like man i'm beat i gotta get to sleep and i looked at my screen because i had it up on my laptop on facebook live i was like wow these guys are still going i looked at you and i was like tony's been going as long as i have and here i am acting like i can't stay awake <laughs> another wink and but here he has to go and for another well at that point it was, was 20 uh, yeah it was 18 hours 18 hours yeah, yeah. It was 18 hours, so I was like thinking, yeah, because when I woke up, I was like, man, they've been going, for, they have 16 hours to go or something like that, or yeah. no, eight hours to go. And my question is, is like, so again, like we said, when your body's telling you it's mealtime, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, here you are, there's no fun party going on. Everyone's asleep. Yeah. you. It's just you guys. <laughs> What's going, like, is your body giving you those triggers or are you just so exhausted it doesn't care you wouldn't even care what time of the day it is or so i think and and I, i'm thinking back i wish i would have asked everybody else just to compare right versus somebody that's that's more accustomed to recent fasting versus somebody that's not and just see if there is a difference um because i like i got no hunger signals at all the entire 24 hours now it could be from the fasting because that that helps with with washing those out right mm -hmm. it could also be from the adrenaline and just the cortisol so from a hormonal aspect of those two just flowing for 24 hours right because those two can shut off hunger and so it, it's possible it's more than likely a mix of, of all of that together but you know it's it's like when you you know when you talk to people that say that they forgot to eat or, you know I'm, I'm one of those i could be that person and it's when it's happened to me in the past, it's usually because when I was working on a car, I was doing some long project that just took, a, it just took like six, seven, eight hours. And I was just really focused on that. So mm -hmm. I was focused and determined on, on finishing whatever it was I was working on so much so that I forgot to eat. Like it just wasn't on my mind. And you see this with people that study for, you know, a big test. They have these long study sessions and it's the same thing with them. They, you know, they, their mind isn't on eating. It's not, you know, their mind is so focused on whatever it is they're doing that they don't think about food mm -hmm. when so like when four o'clock like for instance the mind when somebody would mention you said they give you the the hourly cues when it hit like say three four o'clock did your mind tell you wow it's late and then did it hit automatically like or were you guys just so amped up at that so time? the the most exciting one for me was the four o'clock mark because i was halfway mm -hmm. and i was like awesome it's all downhill from here for the most part right and then once the sun came up at about 7 a.m., I was like, this is, is going to be cake now. Like now the sun is back up. For me, my body works pretty much in line with, with the circadian rhythm of, of day night. So mm -hmm. when the sun comes up, I'm energized. When it goes down, I start dipping energy. So as soon as the sun came up, I was like, I got this. Like it's not even a, it's not even a question anymore. And for you know from what it looked like for everybody else everybody else was also in that same mindset of just like adrenaline just go 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 right like we got to get to this 24 hours and so really it didn't seem like anybody really slowed down at any point we were just we were all working to find that pace that worked for each of us individually so that we could make it there so we could make it to the finish line right because it's mm -hmm. it's it was a marathon right? like 24 hours is not a sprint so it's yeah. all about managing your pace it's all about just getting there and getting there safely and getting there healthily and getting there together. At what point? Cause I know there had to be a point where you were like, what did I get myself into? 
oh that was that was hour two that was real early on i mean at that point you know before last thursday my longest match was 21 minutes somewhere around just north of 20 minutes and it was actually a match earlier this year it was it was my first match with thunder for the for the dwe championship and so you know when you go from 20 ish minutes you move up to 24 hours that's a huge jump right mm-hmm. and when you when you're first in there and you're just stretching past your your previous limit which i wasn't even really thinking about um yeah i just remember you know they mentioned you're two hours in you got 22 hours left and i'm like i'm 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 propped up on the side of the ring and i'm like this is exhausting i don't know how we're going to make it to 24 and that's when that's when i started having all the thoughts from earlier in the podcast of like well you've done two hours you know how you know how you got through two hours you just went in you wrestled you did that and then you just did that over and over again so you just have to repeat that for the rest of the 22 hours and i'm to anybody anybody that is listening that really knows me knows that i'm logical almost to a fault but this is one of those times where it really paid off because i was like well yeah i did just do that for two hours so all i have to do is just do that a few more times and i'm good and so that's that's where that whole mindset came from and after that point it was just like i gave myself two choices I can either focus on the exhaustion, which really isn't going to do anything to help because I'm going to be exhausted regardless. Like there was no mm-hmm. fix for it. Um, I had some Red Bulls, like I mentioned, and they helped. But going from not drinking any Red Bulls to trying to drink several in one night, let's just say my stomach didn't agree with that for a while. Um, so they helped while they while I was able to drink them. I got to like two and a half and that, that was it for the, for the whole day. And so they helped around, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock when I, when I cracked into them. But aside from that, I could either, you know, focus on the exhaustion, which doesn't do anything to stop the exhaustion. It really probably just makes you feel more exhausted because it's where your focus is. Or I could just focus on what we were all there to do, which was to break the record and, and extend it out by a couple more hours. And so I went down that road of like, cool, let's just go do that. Like, no, you're going to be exhausted and just accept that. Like, just, I mean, the other option is leave, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody was going to leave. So mm-hmm. if leaving is, is not a real option then what good does focusing on on something that sucky do? It doesn't really do anything, right? It doesn't help the record or anything. What does help the record attempt is me getting in there and wrestling. So, okay, that's the only option left. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I like that you bring that up because, um, you know, we don't realize how much we focus and we say, no, we don't give life to it. But when you do, when you say, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, you're going to be so hungry when you keep telling yourself. And that's why, like, I keep, I wanted you to reiterate like, you know, like the fact that our mind can block off that hunger. It can, it is a mind, it is a mind thing for the most part because, oh, yeah. you know, we've, you've seen coach, he's, he's fasted for nine days over a period of two weeks. And he, um, you know, he, he's mentioned that, you know, and we both talked about how when you're when the stressors, you can forget about eating. So now we're talking about like that. That, that thing that you tell yourself, or I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. I'm stop telling yourself you're so tired. Even if you are so tired, start telling yourself, you know, like, oh, well, I'm getting this done. I'm getting this done. Whatever you sell, you need to tell yourself besides because you're convincing yourself. If you convince you, you're, you're the easiest person to convince yourself because you're both on the same page. Yeah. And, I mean, just think about the the placebo effect in, in almost mm-hmm. any pharmaceutical trial like there's there's a very notable very proven placebo effect and these you know it's it's basically where people 
are told that they're taking a medicine that's supposed to help with something and more often than not it's just a sugar pill but they still get better yeah so uh, i mean it's it's a version of that right it's you know people can can go and say you know they're hungry they're hungry they're starving to take this to an extreme case if i open up a cage and now there's a tiger following you now all of a sudden you're not hungry anymore right yeah. now you're trying to get away from a tiger you don't care about getting a hamburger or getting a bag mm -hmm. of chips it's you know it's that right and obviously that's an extreme version but it helps paint the point yeah and and there are points where we're not saying oh people don't starve yeah people do get hungry and they do you get to a starvation point but you know if it's been just a several hours after your last meal you're gonna be fine yeah you know um there's and we're not saying you have to go that long we're not saying to go that long we're not giving that as an instruction what we are saying is you're convincing yourself of something that you don't need to um you know and, and of course to to really bring it back like there is that that mental part right where you're just convincing yourself that you're hungry but that also happens physiologically in the body like we get those signals from our body and typically mm -hmm. right when you eat a meal that's very high in especially processed carbs it causes your blood sugar to rise it causes it to shoot up insulin comes in regulates it brings it back down about as as quickly as it went up but then what happens is it also goes too low and that's where a lot of times that hunger those hunger feelings those cravings and everything come from so it's it's not necessarily that it's that it's all in our mind although that's a huge huge part of it because if you can push through that low part and you can just get to a point where you let your body actually stabilize it on its own because for the most part it will obviously there's some cases where it doesn't but for the for the vast majority of us it'll it'll stabilize if you let it do so long enough but you have to push through that hunger or really you just have to stop eating the processed foods start eating more whole foods that don't cause those big spikes in the first place yeah and um i, I was talking to somebody about this earlier and he was we were talking about like the the hunger spikes and i kept telling him you got to think about your your meals are becoming a domino effect you're constantly trying to make up for your next meal and and when i put that into perspective i said look you're you're um you eat something that's high simple sugar um in the morning next a couple hours you're hungry from that you're starving but then you're you don't have you don't have anything available that's a good source because he was complaining he doesn't eat enough protein mm -hmm. and so you jump you think you're starving you jump to the next hunger thing which is another simple sugar filled with a bunch of processed fats and um and or saturated fats i should say and he and then so that meal well now your next meal is jeopardized because you know you're that one domino fell now it's going to knock down the next domino now it's going to knock down the next because you're constantly like like coach said your your insulin level is going to drop you're going to get that hungry feeling you're not going to know how to deal with that you're going to tell yourself i'm starving right now i'm starving i'm starving no then and with that reasoning in your head we talked about this last episode you're not you're not thinking about what is quality what is not quality what is um calorie dense what is not yeah, you calorie just want dense. something at you that need point. something you're yeah. telling yourself i need some calories i'm gonna die and really that's not the case and that's what we're figuring out with i'm calling this a study now because it really kind of is in the sense that you went 24 hours physically just not even just 24 hours sitting in a chair med meditating not eating you went 24 hours with high intense physical activity with little to no um, nutrition. 
And what that proves to a lot of people that are listening is not that you should go on a long fast, not that you should work out for 24 hours, but that the fact that you're thinking that the long day of work is and 45 minutes of an exercise after that long day of work is too much. Or if you're thinking that, you know, you're going to start that you have to eat that cupcake because if you don't, you're going to starve to death. We're showing you that there is a sliding scale on that. And, you know, being if you do have blood sugar problems, being if you do have phys- physical problems, that, that, that does stop you from doing a lot. But what this proves is seven individuals went through 24 hours of a labor, like just pure labor intensive. Like that was, that was just hell. Just call yeah, it what yeah, it is. It was, 24 hours of hell. 24 hours of hell. And, and not not being able to sit down whenever they're feeling because they didn't have that feeling of starvation, but they didn't sit down and feel like they needed to eat twelve hundred uh, calories worth of food in that one sitting either. So this should put into that perspective as you're not starving and you can get an exercise in. You're not as tired as you think the human body the body the human body is capable of so much. And these guys proved it that this week. Yeah, if I, if I, you know, if somebody says, I can't get that next set, I'm too tired to go to the gym. If I put a gun to your head and you're going to the gym, mm-hmm. right? And say, cool, you have to go do this workout. You have to at least start it in the next hour or I'm pulling the trigger. Yeah. Now, magically, you have energy to go to the gym. So, are you really tired? Yeah. It, it, and going back to your extreme case. So, say you get out of work, you're tired, work kicked your butt. It was the most exhausting day of your life. You walk out, there's an open cage and a tiger standing right there. Are you too tired now? Yeah. No, that <laughs> adrenaline's going to wake you that right up. That adrenaline's going to wake you up. Now, I'm not saying that, like every time you go to the gym, you have that adrenaline rush. I'm just saying there's something oh. in between. So this this just made me think of, have you ever seen uh, Talladega Nights? <laughs> so remember the, the cougar scene? Exactly that, right? You got to learn to deal with the fear. Learn yeah. to live with the fear. I'm not telling you to obviously not saying go put a cougar in your car, but when there's discomfort lean into it and yeah. push through it. Like, you know, where we're in the society where we've learned that every type of discomfort is, is met and nullified with food or mm-hmm. alcohol or a pill or a TV show or something. And nobody exactly. wants to deal with any discomfort. And, and then we're surprised that when we're trying to make these changes, we can't get anything done. It's like, well, you're not, you're uncomfortable with it, but you don't want to go through it. You don't want to push through it. It's like what you said about the hunger feeling. Of course, it is an, it is a physical feeling that our body is sending off. It's a physical signal that we are hungry, but it's up to you to sit there and deal with it and what you're going to do with it. You can eat. We're not saying, "Hey, you can't you have to be hungry." You have to, no, but when that when that feeling comes, we all we all automatically just want to make a decision off of emotion. Like I'm hungry. I'm eating whatever I want. Right. And it's like, we're already convinced that like, we just need that one extra little push in our direction. And it's like you said, none, we don't want to sit with our emotions, whether it be just slightly discomfort of from hungry, slight, slight, uh, slightly discomfort from, from being work. angry. Yeah. From, from yeah. work, from a, an argument. Um, you know, we, we don't want to sit there with that discomfort. If, if somebody, if somebody pissed you off, we immediately, like, um, in recovery, um, I used to always see so many people, oh, my family made me drink. I was doing so good, and they made me go drink. No, they didn't. They didn't. It, it's very hard to hold a gun to someone's head and make them drink liquor. And if they're doing that, that's a weird cause, and they have weird motives. Yeah. But um, they didn't make you. You were looking for the simplest, quickest excuse to go drink. And when it was that trigger that that slightly, oh, I'm slightly uncomfortable. Oh, they slightly piss me off when I'm pissed off. I drink. Yeah. No. you. And, and that's one of the hardest things about society right now is because society makes that okay. Right. Yeah. Like when you 
When you text or call a friend and say, oh, I had a hard day or I had a hard weekend, what do they always say? Cool, let's go grab a drink. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. Like I get the social aspect and, and relationship building and all that, but should that really be the first thing to go to when you're trying to figure out a problem is let's go drink or let's go get food or, you know, you can just talk about it without mm-hmm. adding those things in. Like That's possible too. It is going to be harder, obviously, because you don't have those things to help numb the pain because that's really what you're searching for. You're searching for things to make you forget that work was hard or to make it seem more tolerable or you're trying to, or, you know, you have issues at home and you're trying to, you know, have a drink on the way home. Because you're trying to prep for that. You're trying to help cool your emotions down and almost pre-numb yourself before you get there. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of times too, um, you mentioned society. Anytime we are in any kind of other feeling besides completely thrilled and over the wall, we're depressed. You know, it's it's either or again. And I'm not trying to knock anyone with depression. I'm not trying to say, or, you know, say anyone doesn't have... But, say anyone doesn't have real depression what i am saying is the fact sometimes as soon as we feel that that's like i don't like this feeling i don't like this situation it's the worst and we gotta we gotta we gotta pacify in some way whether it is some kind of alcoholic drink whether yeah we pacify it with alcohol which has been shown time and time again to make depression and anxiety worse worse. because you didn't fix the problem or we numb it with a cigarette which same as alcohol or we numb it with marijuana which same as both of those Mm -hmm. we numb it with food which same as those like there's a pattern here right like it's just like going to a doctor and they give you a pill because you have knee pain or or they give you a pill for you know something for like blood pressure or cholesterol like those are fine they can work but you're going to end up just taking them forever until you actually address what's sitting at the root and that's no different with things like depression and anxiety and i've had my fair share of battles with those Mm -hmm. up until very very recently and i'm sure there's going to be more battles of them in the future so you know when when you just look for ways to you know like this we talked about it a few episodes ago with the gym is my therapy thing right like okay that's a fine way to think because you know going to the gym can help make you feel more present it can help you like you know like we mentioned with the alcohol and everything else it can help you almost kind of numb what's going on it can help you forget and distance yourself from it which is awesome it's it's great that it got you to that place now that you're in that place it's time to actually do the work mm-hmm. and it's not the work that the gym is going to get you to do but it's diving in and figuring out what's causing the depression, what's causing the anxiety, what are you afraid of, and actually addressing those questions so that you can deal with the things that are causing the anxiety. Because when you deal with the with the root, now all of a sudden the anxiety and the depression just start to get better. I think we're a, a little afraid to learn a little bit about, our, uh, about ourselves. Like, I want to say, like, with the fasting, I always go back to fasting because it's a good, it's a good way to go back it's a good model to use because you can always go and say well if we say take out the weight loss it's not for weight loss and you say well you're controlling something that you have daily almost all the time throughout the day now you're taking that out and you have control over it and there's a lot to learn about yourself do you have control in first place do you have control to do that you know it's 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 hard to sit there with that it's hard to sit there and tell yourself like i failed because dot 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 i i didn't accomplish my goal dot 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 you know no one ever so it's easier not to even embark on a journey to to just avoid that whole heartbreak and that's sometimes what the alcohol is when when people say um 
you know, I, 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 I live in a gym. I'm there six days a week, five hours a day. I, I'm, a tr- I'm a physical trainer. I like to work out. I'm there at a gym all the time. So when people tell me the gym is my therapy, I, I say, great, that's, it's awesome. It's mine too. It's where it's my getaway. But when I, but it, I am on the same page as coach when, when, when I really want people to, when you say that, when you use that term to me, I don't take it lightly. I don't sit there and say, oh yeah, mine too. Ha ha ha. Gym buds, you know, and clap hands and let's go do a half ass shoulder workout. No, if you're going to say something is your therapy, dot, 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 um, whether it be motorcycle riding, whether mm-hmm. it be weightlifting, whether it be drawing, painting, video games, cooking, whatever. yeah, anything. Use it therapeutically, like Coach said, the way you're supposed to. You're not you're not using it to avoid something. Oh yeah, video games are my therapy, so I'm gonna go pay five hours of video game and avoid the world. No, it allows you to sit in that situation without the problem for a second and have that moment of clarity. Yeah, and and that's you, great because once we get once once we get separated from whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Now we're outside of it. We have a much better shot if we're willing to address it of looking at it and saying, oh, this is what we can do about that. Yes. When we're in the middle of it, it's it's so much harder to think about it because if it's if it's really making us feel that shitty, we're in that fight or flight mode. So we're just thinking about surviving. We're not thinking about fixing or, or solving a problem or, or anything like that. We're in survival mode. So mm-hmm. all these sorts of thoughts about you know change and, and enlightenment and anything like that, they're far from they're far from anything you're thinking about those parts of the brain are just turned off you're Mm -hmm. just thinking about how do i survive to the end of the day how do i survive how do i get to the end of this meeting how do i get to the end of this week how do i get to tomorrow all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. you're just thinking about how to survive and sometimes when you just like i think a lot of times people you know we all know this that out of anger we do a lot of stuff out of anger and um i think if you know, much like sitting with the hunger feeling, much like sitting with the depression feeling, much like sitting with any kind of feeling that you don't want to be that uncomfortable feeling. Anger is a great one because out of anger, we want to do so much. You know, that's anger is such a great feel. When I'm when I'm in a bad mood, I clean really well. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm the best. I will spotlessly clean a house. Oh, I those are some of my clean. best my best workouts. Oh man, but and it gives you that energy. But um, but to my point is is. It, it, it is that one feeling you have to sit with in order to engage that because a lot of people, they'll get angry and they want to say the most hurtful thing. They want the person, the other person or whatever hurt them. They want that hurt to be, to be, you know, distributed. And when, when you, when we're telling you to sit there with that discomfort, we're telling you to just sit there with that emotion, not any action, just sit there and really figure you learning about yourself. You know, what was I going to do? Oh, I was going to punch the wall. Yeah. Wall. Now I'm sitting here now that I've had, like for me after like the reason why I call gym my therapy is because if I'm in a bad mood, like you said, and I'm working out and I'm really at the end of that gym session, if I'm walking out half the time, a lot of the stuff I was angry about or stuff, I'm not that much like, you're not that yeah, upset about it anymore. I, I got to sit and, with it. And that moment is right when you should start going back to when you were angry or anxious mm-hmm. or depressed and start analyzing. Yeah. Because now you've spent all that energy that was that was making you feel that way. Now you're outside of those emotions. You're outside of those feelings. Now is the time to look at it because now you have a more, not totally objective, but you have a more external mm-hmm. view of what was going on there. And you have a better shot of identifying what is going, what is sitting at the root 
Well, yeah, and now you're not thinking with emotion. Um, I know we keep going to the extremes with the tigers and, you know, being angry and stuff. But it also goes back down to the, you know, when you're thinking with emotions and you're starving or you're slightly tired. I'm not saying after work you're not tired, shut up. No, I'm saying you're not as tired as you think you are. You might be tired, but once you sit there with that, that thought or like that hunger and you're like, okay, I am hungry. But I'm not going to go and eat a bag of chips, a Snickers, and a sandwich. I am hungry, but this is what I got to do with it. I'm, you sit with that discomfort. You know, when you think with your emotions, you're just going to go off the rails. When you think with your emotions saying, I'm exhausted, I had a horrible day at work, I'm tired. I'm, you know, those are thinking with your emotions. It's not thinking, I still got to get this done. I still like, like coach with like going back to the 24 hour match. It's not like you were saying, Oh, I'm cramping. I'm hungry. I'm an hour away from home. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. I was, it's Saturday or it was Friday actually. And I, you know, all this, you could be, you could be thinking yourself out of that situation. But like you said, you got to get it done. Yeah. You're not thinking with the emotion of, Oh my gosh, of course you're going to be emotional for this. You know, maybe not as much as like on the sense that we're saying like crying and, angry but there's going to be an emotional thought thinking man this is really hard on me like yeah you know still, you know we i still had thoughts of of damn i'm exhausted and and all this and and all of that but you know at, at the forefront of my mind was we're just here to accomplish this thing so we're going to accomplish this thing and unless you know sitting on and and dwelling on feeling exhausted was going to help me get to that thing it had to take a back burner. Now it doesn't mean that I'm ignoring it. It doesn't mean that I'm saying that those feelings are invalid because they are, they're mm -hmm. real. They, they were definitely real. But the question is what use are they serving? Like, what yeah. is it, what is it really helping for me to know that I'm exhausted? I know I'm exhausted. Obviously it's 24 hours. Yeah. Of course it's exhausting, but what is, what is paying attention and putting it in the forefront of my mind going to do to help me get through what I still have to do? Yeah, you, you paid attention to the goal, not the emotions. Like, the emotions are real. They're valid, like you said. But if you're thinking with the emotions, the original goal isn't going to be the case. You're, 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 you're making the decisions towards the emotions. Yeah. You made the decisions towards the end goal. And you're like, okay, my emotion is this, but I'm not going to decide with this emotion. I'm deciding with what needs to be done as far as the goal. And, you know, I'm not saying you deal with the emotions later, but you don't. You don't react with the emotions. The emotions are still there. They're still valid, but you don't react. You know, you're not saying, oh, I'm starving. I'm hungry. I'm on a weight loss journey, but I haven't eaten all day. So I'm going to eat a Sonic burger. You'll be fine. That's thinking with emotions. Yeah, you could have got away with the calories. You didn't yeah. have that much calories that day, but that's thinking with emotions. You've been wanting a cheeseburger. You've been talking about it. Right. So that's thinking that's, that's allowing the emotion to take over rather than thinking logically saying I haven't eaten in a day or within all day, but this is the end goal. Mm -hmm. I can't think with my emotion right now because my, emo that's when critically emotions are going to start taking over and start thinking you're tired, you're hungry. This will make you happy. This will make you full. We'll go home. We'll watch your favorite movie. We won't even think about weight loss today. And tomorrow you'll be back at it. No, he, that's thinking with emotion. Even though that does sound great. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that plans is horrible, but yeah. And, and really like, a, I have a couple of ways I like thinking about emotions when it comes to anything. Mm -hmm. um, one is, and I'm, I should really refine it and do some more research because I'm not sure how this, if this is actually how it works on say like a movie set or a TV set. But I break them up into directors and producers, right? Like the director is the one that calls the shots, right? 
the producers just bring all this extra stuff to the table, but it's, it's, and it's all this extra information and some of it may be good. Some of it may be bad. Some of it may need to be tweaked or tested to see how it works, but ultimately it's the director that goes yes or no. I, I think, right. I'm not hundred percent sure. And so the feelings of the producers, they bring all the information. They say, Hey, this is what's going on. And the director makes the call of like, cool, let's integrate that. Or let's hold off on that. Or, you know, and it, that's sort of the way that it works. Another analogy is, you know, if you look at a big corporation, they all have a board of directors, right? They have like the, the, the chief tech officer, the chief operating officer, the chief financial, like all, all those, right? And those are your emotions. They all, they're all there. They're responsible for their, their individual departments and they bring up this information. They have some agency on their own within, within their own field. And then you get to the points where you have these board meetings where you have all the chiefs in a room and you have the CEO who's, who's the one that really makes the main decisions, right? And the CEO is basically the logical part of the brain. And all the other chiefs are the emotions. They all bring their own information for what's going on and how you feel and, and what's making you feel this way. They bring it up to the table and it's up to the CEO to listen or not mm-hmm. for the most part, right? Like there are some, there are obviously some decisions that get voted on by the board. That's why they, they're there. But, you know, the CEO is, is there to just make the final call and just go like, this is what we're doing. So, you know, the exhaustion was, was one of those chiefs just saying like, Hey, this is what's going on. There was a point where I had tweaked my knee. So that was another chief like saying like, Hey, this is what's going on. And you know, the logical part of my mind was like, cool. What are we going to do about that? One, we can't do anything about the exhaustion. It's going to be there Two, let's go do some stretches for the knee. Let's do some things that maybe aren't as, as impactful for the knee. And let's see how that goes. Worked out really well. And that's really the way that we have to look at it. Like the, you know, the, like you said, the answer is not ignoring emotions. You still have to listen to them and and respect what they're trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. But then also look at it from from the context of okay, cool. In this moment, what can I do about any of them? And a lot of times, there's not going to be anything that we can do right there, which is fine. We can deal with them later. And sometimes there are going to be things that we can do about it right then and there. At that point, then you think about okay, what can we do about them? What can be done? that is constructive to the goal of resolving that feeling. I like the fact that you put it into a corporation because it is like that, the knee pain. It's like, you know, you know, the one of the departments, yeah, they did kind of hit a huge problem in their department, but the whole corporation isn't going to stop and be like, whoa, 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 Manny, Manning from the mailroom, he, uh, he's not doing so well. So Yeah, uh, he called in three days in a row, so let's stop the entire company. Let's start, yeah, let's, let's call off the company and let's figure out, let's, let's use all the company resources to figure out where Manny went. No, the CEO is going to be like, that sucks. It's definitely affecting that area. I'm going to need you to do this, this, and that, and we'll take it easy in that um, department until we can get back and up to running full staff. That's a, that's a perfect analogy. You're not going to shut down a whole uh, theme park because one of the vendors can't make it to work. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, Disney doesn't shut down because a ride broke. Yeah, no. They Disney really don't, don't. Disney don't shut down. They just, <laughs> well, they shut down for the hurricane, so that's what it takes. Oh, okay, okay. But, so. you know, what will they do? They'll put a sign up for this ride saying, hey, that sucks. It's broken today. They'll get it fixed as quick as possible. But the rest of the park is business as usual. You still work around it. And, and, I like, and also, I like the CEO um, uh, analogy because... You know, a lot of us, a lot of us have an interim CEO or a non-acting head. You know, we have a bunch of departments that aren't reporting to anyone and we have a bit, we have, we have a corporation running, but it's not running to the best it can. And that's another thing I always like to get across to you. You might be 
operating, but you might not be operating to your fullest extent. You know, like you might be getting results, but you're not, you might not be getting the best quality results for the least amount of work. And when you have a good CEO, somebody who is really, you know, okay, like listening, but also making great decisions based on what information they're presented, then that's when you really start getting results and really start getting somewhere. You know, and like, you know, an interim CEO, he's not, he's, he's in there half-assing it. He's, he's part-time. He, they yeah. pulled him from, he's Manny from the mailroom. That's where he went. You know? Yeah, right. And uh, I want to ask you though, before we run out of time and we get to the next part of this, we're ending the, the 24-hour matches. Um, I'm going to put it in my perspective. I went to bed that night, a little later than usual, woke up that morning. I had to put them, I had to put it back on, you know, Jeff, Jeff. Amazing. I, you know, I keep bringing him up, but I was so grateful. He shot, he shot the whole thing. He took his personal cell phone for that whole time yeah, and put it on display. So thank you to him. Had it plugged in and everything. Yeah. I mean, every, every time I'd mess up, somebody would run up there and fix it. Kyle mm-hmm. or one of the refs, they're really great. But so I turned it back on the morning. I'm like, bam, they're still going. And it's just like, bam, bang. And you know, like you said, when you mentioned the sun coming up, that's, that was a weird look for me because I was watching through the night and then I saw the sun come up and I was like, that triggered something weird in my mind, but getting to the end, what's it, what was it like closing this out last hour? I mean, cause I know at one forty-five they announced, um, American kickboxer went out. He announced, Hey, look guys, we did it. We're still going for another two hour, two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, but we did it. When they made that announcement, closing to whenever you put your clothes back on, take us through that. So through, so from that point, you know, we were all, we got, we all got real excited around one thirty because right, we were closing in on the last 15 minutes before breaking the record. And so that gave us a little bit of a second win or third win or fourth win for some of us. Right. Which was, which was great. It helped. It really helped light us up to get through the rest of the, of the 24 at about uh, say two thirty or so, we you know at that point we'd had about forty five minutes of, of sinking in like hey we got this record awesome, that's what we were here to do, and so once we realized that that's what we we're here to do at least for me like I, I like my adrenaline just started falling off it just started dropping off a cliff and I was like all right I'm, that's when like all of a sudden my body started getting really tight and the soreness was starting to really stack up and I'm just all that stuff right and happened it happened with a couple other people too they were experiencing the same thing and then we got to the last hour and at about really at at about one o'clock people started showing up just people from the town just to come in and watch and then after two it progressively became more and more people just to watch all of us just get to the 24-hour mark and so Obviously, once, you know, more and more people started showing up, that was that last sort of burst of adrenaline because it's like, oh, awesome. There's people here. Let's let's show up for them. Right. And so we're all tired. We're all exhausted. We're all sore. None of us have voices anymore. And it's it's still that last hour. It's like, all right, now let's do all the fun stuff. Let's go crazy. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. Like, that's exactly how I said it to myself. I, you know, I was was physically exhausted. I was mentally exhausted. But I was like, all right, well, we got to do this again. Right. Like respecting that I'm exhausted, letting it have a spot at the table and just saying like, cool, you can like have a seat at the table. Like I recognize that we're exhausted. We still have an hour to go. So let's go, you know? And it got to a point you could tell that we all got excited because we went, we switched from doing 
longer segments of the match to just more rapid fire sort of things. So we'd go in, we'd hit like a couple things, pin. Go in, hit a couple things, submission. And just start like rapid fire cycling through everybody. And we, you know, it was almost like we forgot that we just wrestled for 23 hours and, and it kind of put us back in that mindset and mentality of being in that first hour again. So that really helped us get through. Afterwards, you know, we got to the 24-hour mark and it was amazing. Everybody cheered. We were super excited. We went up to the stage. We got pictures taken. <laughs> my, So I was super appreciative to have been a part of that. My first thought after that was I've been in these wrestling tights that don't breathe for 24 hours. And the only thing I wanted to do was get out of them. And, you know, so it, it I, I think it was maybe about another half hour after that because we were doing announcements and, and we were talking with the crowd and, and all of that. So after we got done with that, went backstage and, and got out of the tights, I just took a minute and I just sat on a, on a chair back there. And I just really just sort of took in everything that we just did for the past 24 hours, because now this is the first time since then that I could sit and just actually just be quiet for a while. Right. So it gave me a chance to be a little meditative and this is, you know, now that that's over, that's when we start acknowledging and respecting the exhaustion. Right. And it's like, cool. Now that we're done, like, yes, let's do what we need to to feed the exhaustion. And that included at that point, just sitting down and doing nothing, right? Another part of that was going and getting food because it had been a day since I'd really had any substantial amount of food. And so, you know, we did that, got some food, hung out, watched, there was a wrestling tournament right after that. So we watched that that night. Um, and then I came home, I got home at about midnight. Um, you know, went to sleep. Again, like I mentioned, I work with the sun. So even though I went to bed at like 1230, I was up at 630. So it was up. Uh, got out on the motorcycle for a little bit, came back home, didn't really do anything Saturday. Sunday happened again. Sunday happened again. I was up at 6.30, so same thing. Went out, but Sunday was an interesting one for me. This is probably the most interesting day after after the 24-hour match. So obviously there was soreness throughout. You know, I was sore by like 6 a.m. and then just sore the rest of the match and then probably until where are we at now? Thursday, so until Tuesday. I was sore the whole time. And Sunday, you know, I woke up, got out on a motorcycle, went out, met my usual friends that morning, and I was really quiet. Now, again, for anybody that knows me, I'm generally a quiet person, but I was even quiet for those standards. Like I, I hardly said anything. You know, I was looking at the bikes, I was listening to people talk, all that sort of stuff. And one of the one of the older gentlemen there walked up to me and he recognized how quiet I was. And so he started talking to me. And I noticed that I, maybe it's just that I really hadn't said anything very much in the past few days because I was just so like isolated and just alone and just like let me be by myself and just let me recover. But it was really hard for me to actually pick words and say them. Like I had such a hard time at first just talking with him, you know, and I... Once I actually got there, I started telling him about the match and everything, and he go, and he goes, "Oh, I get it now." <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was, so I was, I was really mentally out of it on Sunday. Like I even, it even affected my riding on the motorcycle that day. Like it just felt not quite as balanced and and fluid as it usually does. And I'm. You know, I'm, I'm really just attributing it, obviously, to the 24-hour match. It's just kind of holdover results from it. 
And so that was, you know, that was the morning. And then I come back home and I'm sitting here and I just feel just completely wiped out at this point. Like I don't want to do anything. And, and this is one of these weird moments where, and I don't know most people have this, where you have these two conflicting mindsets going on at the same time, where one part of me was just super exhausted to the point where I just wanted to do nothing. And the other part was telling me, you got to go to the gym. And I'm like, well, why the hell do I have to go to the gym today? And, you know, I, I, so I thought about both, right? Like they both got a seat at the table and I was like, cool, exhaustion, what do you got? Exhaustion just basically said, we just want to do nothing. Just like, just, just sit here, just lay here, put on some easy music, go get some water, get some tea and just relax. Cool. Decided me that wants to go to the gym. Cool. What do you got? Well, I really think to help with recovery and to help actually kind of help you feel better, you should go to the gym and just do a light workout. And so I had both of those and I sat there and I was like, that's actually kind of a good idea. So I drug myself out of bed. I drove down to the gym. I sat in the gym parking lot for like a half hour, just staring at the gym, just like trying to will myself into the door. Like still, right? Like the exhaustion side is still like, dude, just, I know you're already here. Just go back home. Just, just relax. And right. The gym side is like, just go. You don't have to set PRs. You don't have to make yourself sweat. You don't have to exhaust yourself anymore. Just go grab some light weights and just move your body. Just pump some blood. Which is ultimately, you know, that's what I did. I, I went in, I did a light full body workout. So it was like, I don't know, two, three sets of everything. Nothing was really super hard or to failure or anything like that. But it, it got my heart rate up just a little bit and it, it kind of woke me up, right? And after that, I started feeling a lot better. And, you know, really that's that's where we're going to talk most about for the rest of the podcast, which is the idea of active recovery and mm -hmm. active rest. You know, people, when they come across a rest day think that it's that it means just do nothing or just you know cut yourself off don't do any activity don't nothing like that and that's that's one way to look at it sure but another way to look at it is, is more from this active place doing these, these more active recoveries and that can look more like really just like the workout I did on Sunday which was it's not there to set any new records it's not there to make you sweat it's not there to, to wipe you out but it is there to help you get some more activity in. It is there to help you really just pump some more blood and some more oxygen throughout your body because that's really what helps you recover is just getting more blood, getting more oxygen throughout your body. When you pump more blood, pumps more nutrients, it gets rid of more waste. So the, the more effectively you can do that, the more effectively you can recover. And so, you know, walking, hiking, biking, anything like that that you, that you can do for, you know, much lower intensity is going to be better for recovery than just doing nothing. This is this is amazing because this is another this is the other half of all the information I wanted you to bring back because not only did you do the whole twenty four hours you did twenty four hours of of a bunch of just activity more than twenty four hours because you were awake for more than twenty four hours you did twenty four hours of wrestling but you were awake for almost forty eight hours yeah and so what we're unwrapping here is not necessarily what it took for your body to complete the task. But what your what happened to your body after the task? You know, we're not just something that hits a reset button and saying the next day you go and um, you go after that, you go after that, you go after that. I think you know, like a lot of times, soreness kicks in with people, and you know they don't want to move at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I get that. I get like you know maybe you shouldn't be working out to where your body is to the point where it's so sore. Obviously, no one's gonna go wrestle a twenty four hour match, stay up for 40, 40 hours with that so 
being at the level of exhaustion that you were at, I think a lot of people, I, it'd be mis, it would be unfortunate if somebody was really that exhausting and maybe they don't have time to worry about working out. But again, this puts into a perspective a lot of things like, okay, not only did you do all that, but now what is recovery like from putting your body through all this? And I like that you mentioned after working out, you know, a lot of people think that you slept from Friday night to, to Tuesday morning. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, that'd be great. And I'm not saying anything against sleep, but you do got to move. And, um, like for me, for instance, um, with my, with, I don't want to say bad knees, but the arthritic knees run in my family. Um, so I noticed that whenever I sit for longer periods of time, my knees hurt and it like more so than when I'm using them. And after leg days, I especially have to, you know, depending on how intense the workout is, depending on, I still go through stretches after my workout. I still do a walk after my workout and days before and days after my workout, I'm doing squats. And that's for me to keep my body active and not necessarily for workout reasons. I'm not working out, but I am in my terms, um, I'm teaching the muscle how to use itself. Yeah. Like, you know, by like not only are you delivering the oxygen, the blood flow, but at that point, I'm not allowing it to, to get DOMS. I'm not trying, you know, for some, like, for some delayed onset soreness or anything like that. I'm really working towards, you know, just being able to utilize what muscle I'm trying to make stronger. So, again, on rest days, I can't. You know, whenever when people talk about, you know, resting their legs because you work legs, I don't work my legs out. I, I go through some intense leg workouts, but I don't work them out to the point where I can't use them the next day because the next day I need to use them for life. Yeah. And also because, I mean, I, why, why did I just work them out so hard if I can't use them the next day? I'm going to do and I'm going to do some active recovery. I'm going to do some air squats when I tell people, yeah, go give me some air squats after a heavy leg day. They're, they think I'm crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm not asking you to put 500 pounds on your back and go through a huge, you know, regimen of squats. All I'm asking is for you to just work the motion. Yeah. You know. Um, and a lot of times just doing that will actually get rid of a lot of your soreness. It, yeah, because it's that stiffness. It's that you, yeah. you got you got to get through like that, that that range and deliver. Like we said, it, there, there is there is an there is an activeness between behind a, a, the recovery. And I. We talk a lot about recovery, but we never really bring into perspective what it can look like as far as, you know, even just before recovery, even before you even leave, start your workout. You know, it's talking. Um, I was that young guy that will go into a gym and just start bench pressing, just start my workout. No stretching, no rolling, nothing. No dynamic um, warm ups, nothing. Just start working out. And I was like, yeah, you know, what's that zombie line um, quote? You ever see a cheater limber up? Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And and my answer to that, guys, I was a vet tech. Yes, cats and dogs do limber up before they go in for a kill or anything. They stretch. But also, if you watch cats or dogs, they're stretching all day long, yeah, intermittently. They, so they maybe still, they don't necessarily have to, and it's we, time to get ready for an attack. We get stretches. We've derived yoga stretches from dogs and yeah. cats. They mm -hmm. do stretch. So there is you have to act because I, like I said, I was that younger guy that never stretched, never warmed up, never did any kind of um, recovery work after my workouts, anything. And I used to always tell people like, um, oh, no, I don't need to. Look at me. I'm, I'm fine. I don't need it. I don't need it. Well, 
now the 36 year old version of me is yelling at the 24 year old version of me saying take your right protein stretch and please stop doing that please stop working out that (laughs) way and it's and we don't realize it on that sense until we get to this point yeah and this is me pleading with people saying yeah do your active recovery like you know, walking is such a great thing. I think like it's I, so underrated. Yeah, it's so underrated. Just, and I'm not saying walking with pumping your fist and kicking your legs and doing a speed walk down the road. Like no, just just saunter around a, a park. fun walk. Yeah. yeah, like go go exploring, picking things up off the ground, like just wandering around. Go wander uh, the Walmart for a while. I don't know. Just get out and walk. Whatever gets you walking is great. If you have a swimming pool, that's even better. But let's right. face it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all don't have a swimming pool, so you know, like like Coach said, like it, we're we're hitting to fall now. It's a great time to get to a park, watch the leaves. Yeah. Go for just play. Like literally, when they tell kids to get out for sixty minutes a day and play, they tell they, this is an NFL uh, movement. But I mean, I think this should be like this should be written on buses. This should be written on any little packaging that we get for any human being, not just children. 60 minutes a day just get outside and play you know it, it helps release stress it helps get some oxygen and sun rays that you didn't you didn't you needed you didn't get throughout your day and that little bit of exercise like really we don't take into account like we think when we think exercise we think we need to be sweating breathing hard uh we need to just it, it needs to be daunting we need to cry about it on social media it, for it to be an exercise for it to be an exercise, it really just needs to be a little bit more than what you do. And yeah. if if for 45 minutes you take you you and your significant other, you and your dog, you and your children, you and your RC car, you and your kite, go fly a kite. Like, th- this is what we're saying. You know, th- this is this, this plays a part in tech. I'm not saying this is strictly active recovery. I'm just saying from some guy who lifts heavy weights, as much weight as he can all the time, it, every time just ridiculously if those little movements all that little um activeness it really helps your body from getting stiff like i, I and i'm saying that i don't really want to say hey, my older age but it really isn't my older age but 10 years uh um have lapsed since like i've done the the crappy workouts and going you know no recovery thinking no regard for my body and well-being to now where, you know, if I'm sitting in a car too long, I have to go for a, a little walk because my body stiffens up too much. You know, I was getting out of a chair the other day and, and I went, <clears throat> made the old man noises and, and somebody made the, the comment saying, oh, I'm glad I don't work out so I don't sound like that. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's because I haven't done my correct workouts. Uh, you know, the, the, the little active walking, the little... Um, throwing like now I like to go throw the ball for my dog yeah and even just those motions gets me up and gets my blood flowing and it keeps me from getting that I like to say I'm like a glow stick I stand up and like like my knees pop my hips pop my back pops and then I pop my neck and I'm ready to move again you know it's like a or like the tin man from the the wizard of oz yeah yeah, yeah, yeah himself and um that's and these are reasons why you need to practice active recovery because it's people like me that are like getting up and thinking that i didn't have to do stuff like that that oh i'm fine now i'm fine now well now my body and my tissues like it's yeah it's like guess what yeah yeah it's like taking more time to get Mm -hmm. uh, it's stiffening up more it's you know so now i like to go for a walk my my favorite thing is, is i love squats 
So every anywhere and everywhere, I follow Squat University on uh, Instagram, and he has this little thing where he says, "Have you gone to depth uh, today? <laughs> Are you have you worked on your depth?" And anywhere and everywhere, you're working on your form depth. You're, you know, you're squatting to depth in a bodyweight squat, but you're not working out. Yeah. You you're exercising. Let me let me for the better terms, you're exercising, but you're not working out. Yeah, you're practicing the squat. You're practicing the squat. You're telling your body, this is what we do. Not only for one hour out of the whole week do we do squats, but we do squats throughout our whole life. Let me remind my body that we do do it that way. And and it is one of those things like for squats, especially squatting down and picking a piece of paper. If you don't practice your squat, if you don't work on your depth of your squat, you lose it. And I'm not telling you this because I want you all to be great barbell squatters. I don't want you all to go PR in the gym tomorrow with a with a to depth squat or below depth. What I want you to do is pick that piece of paper up off the floor without hurting your back. Yeah. What I want you to do is be able to put your shoes on without being out of breath. What I want you to do is live a normal human being life without little things that make it harder that are unnecessary life is hard and if we work at making it less hard for ourselves it's that much better not much better but it's that much better remember we're about those little steps so when you start taking the little steps towards feeling better like recovery any little thing not just like oh yeah i did stretch yeah i did do some stretching before work no did you stretch before did you stretch after did you are you stretching now did you are you doing any kind of recovery like it's not either or. Did you try this method, that method? If that method doesn't work, let's try that method and this method. If those two don't try, let's try those two methods and this third method. If those four methods don't work after the we put in add in a fourth method, let's go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> and really, this this actually makes me think of something that I heard over the past few days while I was busy, not existing, mm-hmm. um, which is you become good at what you practice. Mm-hmm. So we were talk. They were talking about. It was, it was a podcast about some mental health. So they were talking about how to really just get good at anything. And when you look at the people that are, you know, the best at any given thing, they all have something in common, which is that's all they, they spend their time and energy on. That's all they practice. That's all they do, right? You look at somebody like Michael Phelps, you know, he wasn't swimming 30 minutes a day or 30 minutes a week and then suddenly stacking up Olympic gold. Mm-hmm. He was practicing, right? Eight, 10 hours every day. Now, that doesn't mean that if you want to get good at squatting that you have to squat for 8 or 10 hours every single day. But if you're not practicing at all, or if you're only practicing, you know, one hour a week, you might want to consider bumping that up. Now, like Coach said, that doesn't all have to be, you know, every single squat doesn't have to be max weight or max intensity or you don't always have to do so many squats that you can't stand anymore and you're, you're out of breath, you're covered in sweat. It can really just be, you know, a handful of squats here. Coach on several occasions has said, you know, doing 10 an hour, it can just be that. And you're just practicing the squat. And if you practice the squat throughout the day, you are more likely to be able to squat properly when it comes to adding weight. You're going to be less likely to deal with things like tight hips, tight hamstrings, knee issues, because you're practicing that throughout the day. It's like the, you know, it's like the cheetah we mentioned from Zombieland or whatever cat it was. I think it was a cheetah, right? Yeah. And, you know, when you, you talk, he talks about a cheetah not necessarily stretching right before it makes an attack. Well, yeah, because it's stretching all day long. It doesn't have to. It's not mm-hmm. stiff because it's been moving around and stretching all day long. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not spending 24 hours stretching like most cats. It sleeps most of the day. But when it's up, every once in a while, every few minutes or so, and this is the same with house cats. You see them when they wake up, the first thing they do is they stretch. They 
enter a room sometimes and they stretch when they get into a new room. Mm -hmm. They kind of just look for reasons to stretch and then just stretch. Mm -hmm. But because they stretch all the time, they don't really run into issues where it's like, oh, well, they might have done better if they had stretched beforehand. Well, they did because they were stretching all day and they're going to be stretching all day after. They're going to be stretching tomorrow and the day after. Yeah, that's that's a great point right there because... You know, when you're a cat, you don't have, you're not going to run away from a potential threat and be like, hold on, I need to stretch my hamstrings. Yeah, exactly. You're, you just, bam. If you ever see a cat spaz out and just take off, I mean, if you say, wait, hold on, I need to stretch. And and that and that and that's a great point. Like staying stretched and limber throughout the whole day will prevent injury. It's not even just saying, yeah, man, I want you to stretch tomorrow at 6 a.m., prepare for your workout at 6 p.m., it, it really isn't that it's saying that you worked legs all day yesterday so today we're gonna we're gonna stay nice and stretch and limber not because we want your necessarily the soreness and legs we do we do but because you're gonna start if you get all stiff and you don't use those muscles you have a lot more potential threat of an injury because you're gonna be using different muscles you're gonna be trying to overcompensate on some areas or you're just not going to be as limber. You're going to be stiff yeah. and you're going to be moving stiff. That's or, why. Yeah. Or you're going to be, you know, one of those people that wants to make a show out of it, telling everybody how sore you are every time mm -hmm. you, sh you uh, sit down. That's another one of those things that I think where people convince themselves that they're more of than that they actually are. I like being sore, guys. You know, I'm a gym rat. I look, you know, I still have that stupid mentality of a soreness felt like a good workout. But at the end of the day, I think it with the, there's there's problems with that there's a lot of problems with that first off it's not an indicator of a good workout second i think because we think it's an indicator of a workout when we go to our office place or after the workout the next day we we have that slight soreness but we want to limp even heavier we want to walk even oh yeah. i can't sit on the toilet oh it hurts so much and it's a lot of dramatic acting you yeah. know we're convincing you, you, you not really only want everybody else to know yeah that you've just put in the work yeah. you want oh, that social so acceptance sore. or just yeah. some sort of social reaction because even me, like like I said, with my, the soreness in my knees and stuff, sometimes I'll I'll throw in a heavier limp than I than I need. And uh, you you watch The Office. Uh, <laughs> whenever um, Pam went to go punch Michael uh, because he Michael was uh was uh, had slept or was dating Pam's mom, broke up with her on her birthday. Pam was upset with Michael, rightfully so. He says, "What do you want to do? Punch me?" That was a deal. She said, "Yeah, that'll make me feel better." So they went to the parking lot. They had a little talk. She almost didn't do it. She ended up punching him because of something he said. And as he's walking away, he's holding his face. Mind you, he just got punched in the jaw. That's it. That's the only thing that happened to him. And he's limping. And Dwight goes, why are you limping? And that makes me laugh so hard because every time in the gym now, I think of Dwight looking at me. Why are you limping? Because <laughs> really, it really is your mind feeding to you. And, it, like, and again, we go back to like being honest with yourself. Are you really limping because you're that injured? You're that sore? Um, or do you need, do you need to stretch? Do you need to practice um, better recovery? Sometimes, you know, the way of a goal, you mentioned uh, Michael Phelps and the way he trains. Of course, he's not swimming for 24 hours trying to become the best swimmer, but I think swimming's probably on his mind a good amount of those 24 yeah. hours. And if he's not in the pool swimming, he's thinking... He's recovering. He, yeah, he's thinking, how is this going to affect me, my training tomorrow? Yeah. And again, like you said it, he's recovering. He's eating. He's, he's eating. He's, you know, he's probably doing some sort of, you know, all this other stretching, mm -hmm. yoga, whatever, a little bit of strength training, mm -hmm. all sorts of other things to help support the goal of swimming. 
and we mentioned it we mentioned you you just mentioned yoga we mentioned uh how we derived some of the poses from cats and dogs but that that's why yoga is so i mean i think yoga has made me such an amazing weightlifter and it's so hard like it's made me a better athlete and and when i tell people that they go oh really and they want because they want the answer for me to say that I got stronger by bench pressing 350 pounds. That's not my, that's not my bench press number guys. I want it to be, but it's not, they're just, okay. I don't want to tell you my real number, but anyways, um, they, they want to hear that you got stronger by bench pressing a bunch of weight, by you got, you got stronger by deadlifting all kinds. You're, you're strong because you're strong. They don't want to know that you're strong because of what you did outside the gym. They right. They, they don't want to know that. Well, nine o'clock last night i was in a yoga pose they don't want to know that you know after i left the gym instead of one problem that i personally have that's on the opposite side of active recovery is like now i i left the gym and i drove 45 minutes and i'm doing a podcast i know from all this sitting that i'm going to be super stiff after i know that um how i should be dealing with it now maybe i'm not dealing with it optimally but i know like it makes sense to like after you're done with an intense workout to just stop rest when i say rest you think i'm gonna go to the bed i'm gonna go lay down he said rest right rest yeah no it it, it means we're not going intense levels anymore we're, we're we're bringing our body back down we're cooling off and and um for me especially and i i don't i'm again i'm not trying to make it seem like i'm an old person but when you when we do talk about people and they want to say oh it's just old age these are these those toxic when you know when we get on the internet and it was like my toxic trait is we're, we're identifying all these toxic traits but we're not dealing with them we're not saying oh my active recovery is for shit like when i go in the gym i go hard i lift heavy i i my intensity's all up but as soon as i leave that gym it's just like i i don't even know what fitness is anymore yeah and i'm not saying that that's my case i'm saying that that's a generalization of what your toxic talk should be like you know oh i have this toxic trait um i don't stretch i don't i don't stretch after i don't roll out after i don't take i should be taking warm baths after uh because of my condition i don't um therefore i don't go to the gym it's you know we're we're using these things as excuses you know i've had clients that don't want to do certain back workouts the next day because they they're trying to tell me their leg work workout was too intense and i'm and i tell them well just like coach said after he went from and i will always suggest this i will never say okay well let's rest sometimes i'll say take let's take the whole day off but like coach said on that was it sunday or monday when you went in and you did just the light workout that's what i always suggest i'm not saying it because oh you have to get a workout and you have to get the zone and you have to get the results i'm not that trainer what i am is i'm saying well we can't not do nothing because then not only are you not going to get those results like you wanted you're not going backwards but you're going to have to fight through hopefully you know maybe some soreness maybe some stiffness maybe your body there, there's feeling tired yeah there's there's a certain recovery to to um not only the soreness and the stiffness but just just the motions you know like um if you practice swinging a bat for half an hour a week well every time it goes back to that half hour you're picking up from the mistakes on last week you're not mm-hmm. you're not picking up from what you know again with my squatting 
I, I'm not working out when I go into my depth squat. And when I tell people to do 10 squats, I'm not saying I need your heart rate up. I need you to be, you know, really feeling it. What I really want is you're telling your body, this is what we do. This is what the muscle does. This is why I go to the gym for 45 minutes to put this under uh, extreme stress. So we can teach you guys how to use that, that strength. We're putting that strength back in there. If I'm going to go work legs for 45 minutes to an hour and a half on a Thursday afternoon, destroy my legs, kill my legs, vomit, puke, everything. I'm using legs because that's my favorite workout. And, um, and it's the easiest one where you get sore legs. You see everyone waddle around. Oh, I got sore legs. You're sore Friday. You're sore Saturday. Sunday, well, it's Sunday. You don't work out Sundays because, uh, you know, it's it's the holy day. You, you don't work Sundays. Um, Monday, well, now it's chest. Now it's... You went how many days without working your legs again? So you went this intense workout, didn't recover from the workout, didn't allow your muscle... You tore up all this muscle tissue, didn't allow the muscle tissue to rebuild, re reevaluate the situation and get bigger. Now, almost... Three, four days have passed. You've used your legs as minimally as possible. Now it's coming back to the time to work them out again. I tell you, what 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 kind of progress do you think you have? Right. Like at that point, and this is, and I'm not trying to dog anyone's uh, methods. What I am saying is, this is why active recovery is so important. It's ensuring that, okay, not only am I going to be able to go again when it's time to work out legs, if you are waiting a whole week to work legs again, but um, it's also ensuring that whenever you do go work, you're working the strength. You're not working this weird post, like, you know, post-trauma, I have to hurt myself type thing, but you're, you're building strength in your legs. And now with the active recovery, you're telling your body, okay, this is why I did it. This is why we're doing it. I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to rebuild you. I'm trying to make you better. Here I am nurturing you. And it as cheesy as that may sound, sometimes you have to be that with your body. I um, one thing that really helped me with my with my results and even just doing everything better as a person with like I'm gonna even say as far as showering. I was showering as a better person because I would start nurturing myself. Nurture yourself as if you're a caring mother, caring for the most delicate thing in the world. And it's, it's your body. It's this, and it really is the most intricate thing in this world. Like I have a human body. Coach has a human body. Person listening to this, hope you have a human body for the most part. Right. And, uh, but the, it can do some amazing things but you have to you have to treat it right you have to you have to nurture it you have to be like okay i did take you through an intense workout but this is why and this is and this is me nurturing you this is me caring for you this is you know um when you start thinking of it in terms like that you stop beating yourself up in workouts you stop disregarding yourself like for or neglecting things like basic showering methods, basic. And I'm not saying everyone's dirty and so, but you really start looking at your body like, okay, what am I doing with this shower? I had this intense workout. I need to recover. How is this, how is this shower aiding my recovery? How is this meal aiding my recovery? When, when you start talking about active recovery, it's really not saying, well, I want you to go swim, but swim less. You know, you were swimming for 45, your Michael Phelps, active recovery is just swimming with less intensity no it's him 
preparing to swim with that intensity with whatever means he needs to do it with if if he has a shoulder pain maybe sometimes that active recovery is half an hour of band work after he swims every day uh it's walking his hand up and whatever it may look like for him but it is him taking into account like this is how i nurture my body and again it sounds cheesy but this this is what i'm this is what i need to do to nurture um coach's body after that 24-hour match was in the worst situation a human body could possibly be in it was sleep deprived it was nutrient deprived it was overworked overstressed and out and completely away from home that is a huge stress on the body so in that sense doesn't his body need to be nurtured wouldn't you say if if that was if that was something you really cared for, and I know you're supposed to really care for your body, but a lot of people don't really care for their body the way they should. If it was the most important thing, your your PS5, whatever you, you, you don't want anything bad to happen to, your, your puppy, your child, whatever, and that came to you in that state of what his body was in, you would be in an emergency. You wouldn't be thinking, well, when I get home from work tomorrow, we'll do this. You'd be thinking, what do I got to do next? What do we got to do right now to help start this process of recovery? Not recovery will happen when I'm when it's convenient. No, what are we starting this process because we got to get him back to normal at some point, whatever it may look like. So, again, that's why I was like, after the 24-hour match, one of my hugest things was, what did you do? Like mine would have been like, I would want to jump in a huge ice bath. You know, um, I think I did do some hot tub jumps. Okay, so I jumped in a hot tub on I think Saturday and Sunday. Oh, nice. See, and see, these are things that when you're thinking of caring for your body, like your body is smart and it's strong. And like 24 year old Will thought, you know, 20, 24 year old Will, he thought, man, my body will recover. It does it on its own. It's a human body. It recovers. It adapts. Yeah, but it only does it to optimal um, functioning for so long until where you start. That's we, we went over supplementing. That's when supplements really start having to come into play. You know, you can only I could say I can go work out and I don't need extra creatine. I don't need extra protein. You don't. But it's really nice to help and aid in recovery, too. Mm-hmm, that's it's, right. It's really helped to get the best of results and not hurt like, you know, not have 36 year old of you yelling at 24 uh, version of you. It, that's why you really have to take into consideration. It's not just the 45 minutes of 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 what you're doing at the gym what you're doing at the gym for me it's always calculated and it should be always calculated around your day to your goal to what you're eating to your lifestyle and everything and i think that's why when we talk about active recovery i'm not going to just have you go do a leg day not be able to walk or sit on a toilet or sit down if your job asks for that if your job is specific you're going to be working and trying to actively be a part of that and come back to that and um you're not going to be able to do that if you're sore all over or if you're just completely disregarding your well-being um a lot of people don't want to care about their own selves but say you know what i only like to make others happy i really don't care for myself well others you can't optimally make others happy if you're constantly you know trying to to fix yourself or if you have to fix yourself if you plan i mean I'm I'm a recovery person, you know, like in every sense of that word, recovery comes 
for me, you know, like whether it be your food, your eating, if you're covering from an injury, that I feel like that that's where I have the most sympathy. I if you know, every everyone always wants to think it's me lifting weights. I I go for Lifting weights is the, the, the fun part. That's the, the normal part of it. But what I found out and what I learned from a bodybuilding video just this morning is they're saying everybody always wants to know the reps, the counts, the amount of weight, and the, the style of workouts we did. No one ever wants to know how much sleep we, we got. No one ever wants to know what stretches we did. And no one ever wants to know what we ate after. Yeah. They, they just they just want to know what workouts we did. They don't, you know, and really... It takes into, you know, we talk about steps, you know, getting the steps in. And now a lot of people are realizing that, you know, losing weight isn't what you do in the gym. It's what you do outside of it. And, you know, part of part of that is active recovery and working towards that. Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, I think we'll send everybody home for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, let them get their recovery on. Yeah. Let them get their recovery on. Where can they? Where can everybody find you, Coach? Y'all can find me on my personal Facebook page. I am on. Uh, I forgot my name. Willie Otero. That is my that is my name, and that is where you can find me on my personal page, guys. Go and add me as a friend. Follow me. Uh, all my shenanigans. I like to provide a lot of uh, support and motivation for you guys. I do also have an Instagram at Coach Willie Otero. I'm going to be providing a lot of uh, fun resources for you guys. This isn't a sell. This is just to help keep you guys motivated and know that somebody is on your side. Where can I find you, Coach? So you can find me on Facebook at Tony Davis. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Tony Davis Coaching. If you are also on Facebook, you can head to the search bar, type in Macros Mindset and Metabolism. You'll find a free Facebook group there. Coach Willie's inside as well. We're giving out free info for you to take with you. And outside of that, we drop new episodes of the podcast each and every single Monday. So you can subscribe to us, add us to your weekly feed. And if you like the show, feel free to leave us a rating and or a review. We'll definitely super, super appreciate that. And if you know anybody in your life that would benefit from the things we're talking about, feel free to share the show with them. And we would love to have them on board as well. So until next Monday, we will meet you right back here on your listening device of choice. And we'll be right back here with the Bearded Barbell Podcast. Remember, guys, you were never, ever, ever alone. And if you are feeling alone, please get to uh, me, Coach Tony. You always have us in your corner. You're never alone with us, guys. You have the, the best tag team in all of fitness, all of podcasting. Please utilize us in that sense. Again, you are never alone. Never alone. Reach out. Thank you, guys. Until Monday. Bye.